1: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network. Hi, it's uh, episode number 258 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, Thursday, January 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network on iTunes. All 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams covered for you, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, there's Locked On NFL Draft with John Ledyard, Whole bunch of stuff for you to check out on the network. So make sure you're going there, finding shows you like, rating and reviewing them, and you can do that with us. Find Lockdown Raptors on iTunes on its own separate page. Leave a rating, leave a review, it's the easiest way to help out the show. Show that you care. It makes us more visible, makes us more accessible to people, and uh, it's a very wonderful thing for you to do. It takes no time at all, it doesn't cost any money, and it is the best way to support the show. Alright, on today's show, I'm joined by Chris Manning for a Locked On uh, Cavs Locked On Raptors crossover episode Uh, Chris has been on the show a million times before and We had this similar conversation a million times before But it's a bit different this season The Cavs are different, they're they're differently constructed The Raptors are as well Uh, And we talked about uh, what it's going to look like On Thursday night when they play each other without Kyle Lowry or Serge Ibaka in the lineup for Toronto Uh, We also just kind of talked about bigger picture stuff Which uh, I always find is a little better with these Crossover episodes, kind of get a check in on where Each team is at, Uh, so hope you enjoy this one. But before I get to the conversation, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today. And that, of course, is MyBookie. The NFL playoffs are finally here, and I want to tell you guys about MyBookie.ag, the number one rated online sports book. With fantasy football season over, the only way to use your sports knowledge to win cash is by betting at MyBookie, the sports book that makes it easy to deposit and even easier to cash out your winnings fast. They have odds on everything live betting and an all new prop builder. Create your own bet slips, bet how you want. When you're at home, you bet your friends whether or not LeBron's going to score 30 points and have 10 assists. Why not bet it at MyBookie and put your money where your mouth is? Bet from your desktop, tablet, or on their world class mobile site that lets you bet anytime, anywhere. MyBookie offers the fastest, no hassle payouts when you win. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA when making your account. Visit MyBookie.AG today and bet on the internet's favorite sports. Where you play, you win, and you get paid. All right, let's get to the chat now with our pal Chris Manning. No need for me to dilly dally, this is a longer conversation, so we'll just get right to it uh, with the locked on crossover between myself and Chris Manning of Locked on Cavs. Enjoy it.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Manning from Locked on Cavaliers and through the sword.com
0: And I'm Sean Woodley from Locked on Raptors and RaptorsHQ.com. Chris, how's it going, man?
1: I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad we have connected to talk about why Harry Kane is not going to Real Madrid, uh, why <laughs> Dele Ali is, is the English savior, and all the important things that people want to hear about. No, we are here to talk about Thursday's Cavs-Raptors game, uh, the showdown between two teams that know each other very well, that are both going through some uncomfortable things right now, um, and, and two teams that I think... Sean, are, are different than, and than in, in maybe not big picture-wise in some ways, which we're going to get into, but they're different on, on a, in interesting ways, both teams, with with how they're playing and who's on the team.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, the Raptors have come into this season, they ditched a bunch of veterans who were bad against the Cavs in the playoffs, and the young guys, for the most part, have been really good. A couple of little hiccups lately, especially Tuesday night against the Heat, where uh, essentially three young Raptors combined to lose the game for the Raptors on the final play, uh, allowing Wayne Ellington an open lane to the basket for a layup. But other than that, like, it's been pretty good in terms of the Raptors, and people are pretty excited about them. They're fun to watch, uh, more so than in the past. Um, what's up with the Cavs, though? The Cavs, I mean, they kind of feel like they're on autopilot a little bit. They went on that crazy run after the rough start they had, but since then... Seems like they've kind of come back to earth a tiny little bit, and I question how much the Cavs really care about the regular season, because they never really really care about the regular season, um, but like, I don't know, what's, I don't even know where to dive in with the Cavs, because it's been the same conversation, we've done this same podcast probably like four times in the last year, um, just kind of comparing the Raptors and Cavs and sort of where the Cavs are, and it's still like, would you agree that it still feels very inevitable that the Cavs are going to win at East and kind of steamroll their way?
1: you know i think i think it does to an extent i think there are things about this team that we don't know that we i don't think it's it's 100 percent fair to take it for granted right. um you know i think isaiah is a different player than Kyrie, and i think there are there are certainly pros to that and i think there's certainly cons to that um i think kevin love i think is, is playing by far his best offensive basketball as a cavalier kyle corber has been really good jeff green has been very like a good addition but then you have Jr. Smith. I think is you know last year I think you could excuse some of his struggles because of the the issues with his daughter. He was hurt. This year he's just kind of been largely bad. He's had a couple. He's had a, a few good stretches, but I don't think he's quite been as as good as the Cavs need him to be. And then you know they have they have questions about Derrick Rose and Iman Shumpert as they come back and. You know this team is different. I, I think they play a little bit differently. I think they're a little bit smaller. You can see very little of the Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love front court that has been a big part of these teams the last couple of years. But I, I think if you just look at the East, I think the Cavs would have a, a lot of confidence against Washington, Toronto, Milwaukee. I think they'd have a lot of confi- confidence against Boston, um, just because I, I think even though they just lost in Boston, who does Boston have that can actually defend LeBron right now? You know, yeah. Jalen Brown might be able to do that job, but. I don't think that that guy's right now so I think they feel good I think the, the thing about this team is that there are actual questions to answer we need to see how they actually improve when, in the years past especially the last two years I think it's just and we kind of felt it was inevitable that it was going to happen but I, I think this year I just I really think I do need to see something just because it is a different team that doesn't have Kyrie Irving that has Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and these different players
0: yeah, I guess the I mean the obvious obvious differences with personnel are, are there. It's it's Isaiah, it's it's Jeff Green, it's all these. It's Jay Crowder and no Kyrie Irving. Um, but what would you say is like the biggest stylistic difference between how they've played in the past and how they're playing this year?
1: I think I think it, it's different because you're having them play like a more in a more modern grouping than you, than you've seen. Right. Uh, the Isaiah stuff is to be determined. We we don't know exactly. How he'll fit in once he's playing thirty minutes a night, and and where he and where he's going. But I think that the two things that are distinct are Kevin Love is getting inside touches and he's converting them at a high rate. But he's kind of cre- he creates a lot more space in the room. and and then you have teams that are and I'll see what I think Toronto might do this. They're putting centers on on Jake Crowder and daring the Cavs to to play them that way. So that's been a difference for them. The other thing is their bench has actually been really good. A, a, a lot of credit for that goes to Dwayne Wade. But Jeff Green, who I mentioned, has been good. Kyle Korver, except for a recent shooting slump, has been very good. They're getting production out of a bench that, when LeBron sits now, it is not—they're not, uh, not going to crater and they're not going to totally fall apart and, and flounder. That is a—that is a big thing, um, and I think Isaiah only helps that. I think he should only help that. But that's also going through its own metamorphosis because metamorphosis because Tristan Thompson is coming back and they were relying so much on shooting where now he's not spacing the floor and you could have three non shooters out there and Thompson and Jeff Green and in and, um, and Dwayne Waits. But these are some, they're not maybe not quite as spacey as, as people might be used to, but it's a team that still has LeBron and they still have him playing really, really good basketball and, and at the end of the day, like that is what this team is sort of just gonna be and, and is how far LeBron takes them and how do teams wreck LeBron and, and I think this this win streak or you know, the losing streak rather kinda of, and, and the struggles they've had put some damper on his season but I think in my mind, he's he's at a level where he should be one or two in MVP, depending on how you think James Harden's injury affects his candidacy. And it's too early to talk about that in nuanced terms, but I, I think he's playing that well so far. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Yeah, LeBron's ridiculous all the time. Um, And he's kind of the consistently good part that you can kind of pencil in for the Cavs. On the other end of it, like, who's been the more disappointing player for the Cavs? Is it Jay Crowder or Tristan Thompson?
1: I think Crowder because I, I think Thompson. He's played very. He's played a lot better since uh, the Cavs played the Jazz. He around that time he's been a lot better. Has looked more energetic. Has rebounded better. Mm. The, the, Crowder I think has been disappointing because he's not quite. I, I think maybe the, the some of the the people are seeing some of what they want to see in him. than like believing that he was overhyped in Boston. But if you look at his numbers, he, and seven point four points per game. Um, he's shooting 39.1% from the field. Mm-hmm. Um, over On three, he's shooting 30%, which would be the lowest number he shot from three since his twenty four age 24 season when he um, was with Boston for, half, for 57 games of that season. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it came over and everything. He's someone who I think has to... He's had some really good moments. He's had some great games. And he's had some just absolutely awful games. And I think he's just been disappointed because he's someone that I think... People come this season and said, this is a guy that maybe he's not the the elite level of what he does, but he's very good, and he's on a good contract, and he's going to bring something to the team that they need. And I don't think he's just quite done that, because he, I don't think he's rebounded quite well. He's only averaging 3.3 rebounds a game, his lowest number um, since his the, since age 24 season, and he's not shooting one. Well, he's not doing those two things out of the position they're asking him to play that just kind of means teams are kind of daring him to ignore him and can abuse him on the other end of the floor, putting a lot of pressure on Kevin Love and LeBron James to do even more than they're already doing.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing because I feel like Crowder, like he kind of seemed like a perfect player pairing with lebron james like you can play the four uh kind of take that burden off of lebron if you want or whatever they could. i mean it doesn't really matter they're both essentially just wings at this point but um you know the switchiness that he would potentially provide like the fact that he's not shooting well uh if that carries on into the playoffs like that'll create an interesting thing for the Cavs because like as bad as crowder has been like he's still probably one of their best two or three defenders would you agree
1: I, I think he is and I think yeah. you know that also speaks to the to the the issue with the roster, like Kevin Love's not a good defender. Right. JR's been bad, Corver's not necessarily a good defender. He's smart, not necessarily locked down, and then to at least you LeBron, Crowder, JR Smith if he's playing well, um I'm on Chumper, like that, that, that puts you in a in a pretty tough spot in how they build the roster. And that, that also is, is something very similar to where we've been, even if it's different personnel.
0: Yeah, so if it continues, like you're kind of looking at the Cavs and like in the past uh, against the Raptors in particular, they've either run out like these full-on five-man shooting lineups that have just, just eviscerated the Raptors, like we saw that last year um, when the Raptors stuck out Jonas Valanciunas thinking, oh, well, they get him some bench buckets, and then he picked up like 23 points, but Channing Fryer rained threes on his head for the entire half. Um, like, it kind of puts you in the spot if, if Crowder has to play, which I feel like... You want to have him on the court most of the time if you can. Um, he's playing what twenty-five minutes a game this season. Like, I feel like you probably want that amped up a little bit if you're gonna, you know, take some minutes away from like Jeff Greens of the world. And and you know, I feel like you're gonna want to have Crowder in there. Like he's gonna be an ingredient to the Cavs' success in the playoffs. But if he's still shooting this poorly, that kind of leaves you with. You know, kind of a a place you can kind of exploit a little bit with the defense, or or if you're playing defense on them, which maybe has never existed for the Cavs in series against the Raptors before. So that's an interesting thing, at least. I feel like. There are at least some holes, and you can talk about the defense as a whole as well. Though. The 29th ninth defense right now, like they're very bad at defense. Like I feel like there's some holes that are a little bit more exploitable than maybe there have been in the past with the Cavs. I guess the the whole point, the the, the whole question is whether or not they matter enough and whether or not they're big enough that a team can actually burst through. Um, is there any team in the East right now that you look at and say, like, yeah, I'm worried about playing that team in the playoffs. Like that team has. Whatever it is, like certain players who might match up well against the Cavs, uh, certain guys who the Cavs might not be able to shut down, certain guys who the Cavs, who might stop the Cavs uh, in a way that maybe they haven't been in the past. Like, is there anyone in the East that you're particularly concerned about if you're a Cavs fan right now?
1: You know, I look at I think Boston just because of and that'll and I'm sure Kilbalfar mentions, but. You know, I think because Kyrie and and what he's what he can do against Isaiah is is important. I think they have the wings. I think Jason Tatum was very good in the game they just played, and he gives he's better than I thought he would be, and that that adds something. Jalen Brown's good. Um, I don't I don't know about the rebounding. Still, I, I think they would be up there. But I also think you know I think Toronto if if things break right for them, and I know we've seen the same song and dance. We we've seen it in two playoffs in a row. We we know about that LeBron quote. Like we we sort of know how that plays out, but I think with with if Kyle's playing really really well, if if Demar Derozan continues to play that's really well, and they get enough production out of the young guys, and they keep playing that style, they get that generates more threes and is and is less relying on Demar and Kyle to do every little thing, and they can exploit some of the weak spots. That would go along. That would really go a long way, and I, I I wouldn't necessarily pick either of those teams to beat the Cavs. But I think it could be more interesting than we've seen it. In Washington, if things go right for them, too, could be there as well. But I would say Toronto, Boston, to me, would, would be the teams most likely to, to push the Cavs in some way, and maybe more than we've seen in the past couple of seasons. But this also assumes that, you know, like this team doesn't at least somewhat figure out what they're doing. But right now, like, I, they, they look really bad, but we, we sort of have to. I, I don't know how much we can give them the benefit of that doubt or should. But I, I think we just all reflexively do because we know, and have seen this the last three years, even if it's a different group of players, that you just assume they'll get better when April, May, June comes.
0: Yeah, I think the Raptors look a little bit different than they did last year, and I think it probably would work better in a series against the Cavs. I mean, the, the offense, you know, the way it's run and the fact that Kylan DeMar have looked so good. Deferring to you know their secondary guys and the, the secondary guys are for the most part like making good when they get the ball instead of traveling when it's a wide open three. <clears throat> Patrick Patterson, um, you know it's it's been it's been a lot more smooth this season. There's I think it looks a lot harder to defend come playoff time because you can't just you know bank on shutting down Kyle and Demar and just assume that the rest of the thing is going to fall to shit. Right? It's the entire the entire thing just looks healthier I think and and I think probably a little bit more. Uh, built to be okay in the playoffs so that's interesting to me like they won't be able to sell out they won't be able to send traps at, at DeMar quite as you know aggressively as they have in the past um, and then I, I kind of like the the switchability the Raptors have on defense now I like that they've gone small a lot with, with Serge Bach at the five and if the Cavs you know if they're playing kind of love at center more than they have in the past like I feel like that might actually lend itself well to having Serge play the center because, you know, the, obviously the rebounding thing is an issue when, when Serge plays at the 5, but, um, you know, you roll out OG, you roll out CJ Miles at the 4, like, you can kind of, I think put together a game plan where maybe you can just kind of keep pace with the Cavs scoring if the Cavs' defense is going to be as bad as it is. Um, and that's hard to do because the Cavs score pretty much whenever they want to in the playoffs. But if there is a Jay Crowder out there who's kind of hampering them offensively or, uh, you know, you can kind of leave Dwayne Wade to shoot threes, although he hits lots of threes in the playoffs against the Raptors. Um, I think there is kind of a, a, a blueprint there for the Raptors. and they, Like, they have more ways to play this season than I think they have in the past, which I think is necessary against the Cavs because – There have been situations where the Raptors have played Cleveland and... The Cavs will throw out a certain lineup, and the Raptors just don't have the horses to sort of counter it, and they're stuck, you know, playing, you know, either Bismack Biyombo or Jonas Valanciunas at center, and that becomes a liability. Or they're stuck playing both Jonas and Bismack. I think they did that in a, in a game against the Cavs in the conference finals a couple years ago. Like they haven't quite had the the chess pieces to be able to counter everything the Cavs want to do. And I think this season, considering that Serge can play the five, considering that they have enough shooters and I think enough defensive versatility, um, I think they might have a little bit more. Uh, moves to make before the Cavs can totally checkmate them. Would you agree with that?
1: I, I would. I would. I would also. I would say the the Kevin Love stuff is interesting because it, what you're talking about the rebounding I think rings true. I think the Cavs are like 24th in rebounding right now. Uh, that puts it's a lot of pressure on on Jay Crowder who I already you know I've already talked about this but he has to to, to rebound. Um it, it's I really like just a lot of what Toronto it's uh, Toronto's done something that I think just makes sense and then they've gotten CJ Miles who I, I just adore. I think every Cavs fan out there just adores CJ Miles. <laughs> um I think, you know, OG is it looks like one of the steals of the draft and you, you can certainly speak better to than to than me than how he's played recently and you know, not as much Jonas. Um and all the young guys I, I think they have something there that is that is different and i think does attack in interesting ways the, the question i have raised just overall this season is do you do you feel like this toronto team actually has evolved into something different and perhaps better we, we may not know that for a while but with with how demar played how kyle's played all the young guys do you feel like this team has evolved in a way that that is that is going to be noticeable to people and if they haven't watched him play more than once or twice this season so far
0: yeah, I think I do. I think, just anecdotally, I've enjoyed watching them more this season. They're less of a slog to watch. They're just more fun. They whip the ball around a little bit more. Um, and maybe it's just the fact that young guys doing things is more fun than watching Patrick Patterson brick threes or Damari Carroll, you know, just screw up on floaters. But uh, I do think, like, the style they're playing is a lot more entertaining. Like, their shot chart, they've expanded their their their, their range out a little bit more. They're shooting more threes. Um, you know, whether or not the threes fall has been kind of a hit-or-miss situation. There have been certain games, like, last night I think they were 7 of 21. They didn't get many up. But, like, there have been a lot of games where they're getting up, you know, 35 threes and they're... Uh, you know they're they're whipping the ball around for 25 plus assists, which like last season was a story. Whenever they would get close to 30, this season they've broken 30 like three or four times, uh, and it's just kind of become the norm for them. Um, and I, I don't know if the changes have been totally quite as pronounced as maybe some of the the articles sort of touting how they've changed might you know lead you to believe. I do think they still rely heavily on Demar, and that's kind of been the case a little bit more lately. And they kind of actually, I think willingly gone back to their old habits a little bit in certain games, like... Against the Bucks, they were totally happy to run a lot of high pick and roll with DeMar, which is something that they that was the sort of the basis of the offense in the past, um, and, and kind of invite the Bucks into traps because I think they were confident in their ability to sort of beat the traps in a way that they weren't in the past, which also shows some growth. I think they can play multiple ways, which uh, maybe wasn't the case last season. It was kind of, you know, you're living and dying with the way they're playing, and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work, and you're screwed and you're going to get swept by the Cavs. Um, So I do think it's going to, you know, translate to the playoffs at least a little bit. You know, late game stuff, people have gotten really sort of uppity about what's happened in in some of these late game situations. Um, You know, they've got a lot of ISO late in games, but guess what? Lots of teams go ISO late in games. That's the way you prevent turnovers. That's the way you ensure that your best players are getting a chance to score. Um, And there have been times where DeMar has deferred out of those situations as well. Um, And, you know, sometimes it comes down to like a matter of, you know, play calling and stuff like that as to whether or not it's successful. But uh, I do think they they've shown a capacity to change a little bit. There have been a couple games, and particularly against tough opponents like the Warriors early in the season was one. Uh, same against the Celtics back in November, uh, where they did get kind of tripped up by you know reverting back to their old habits a little bit, and you know that was a learning experience, and it was kind of a I think. A moment to show that the change is not linear like there's going to be setbacks there's going to be moments where they revert back to their old habits but i don't think it's necessarily bad that they have some of their old dna still in them because it was still you know top five offense and i do think if you can have multiple styles of playing offense in the playoffs that really benefits you in a certain way um and you can kind of throw different looks at teams and you can kind of you know, when different lineups are out there, you can say, "All right, this is going to be Demar's time. We're going to run lots of high pick and roll for him. A little bit of ISO here and there. See what happens, and then we can kind of switch it up. Go back to our more ball movement stuff when Kyle's out there running with the bench." Um, like I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. So, uh, long way of answering your question. I do think it's noticeable. I think. Come playoff time, there will be a little bit more, you know, in terms of the Raptors not getting completely swallowed up by a defense in Game Ones and and sort of taking a few games to adjust to what uh, the team is throwing at the opposing team is throwing at them. Whether or not it translates into being able to beat the Cavs, I don't know. Like you know, and I think another thing to factor into is DeMarge has gotten better. Um, as a player, like if they are, even if they were to sort of roll with their old style of offense, like DeMar's just better at that now, anyway. Um, he's pulling up for threes, like he he looks confident shooting threes. It's weird as a Raptors fan, like watching him shoot a three and feeling like confidence that it's going to go in. That's a new thing this year. It's bizarre. I don't I don't ever recall that being the case with him, but that's another thing to sort of add to the mix as well. Um, so yeah I think all, all told maybe the changes aren't quite as pronounced as maybe you'd be lead, led to believe by some of the pieces that have come out and some of the discourse about the team but I th- do think the changes are very much there um, and I think they will be noticeable come playoff time
1: no. Who's your favorite addition whether it's a young guy whether it's a, a veteran who's, some, who's someone that, that the Raptors added that you think has made the, a difference whether you think is the most noticeable and the most important or just something that you, it's added an interesting wrinkle to the team
0: well, yeah, so they didn't really add anyone over the offseason. It was mostly they drafted OG and then CJ. Right. But like in terms of guys who have ne- taken on new roles in the rotation, it's probably DeLon Wright. Um, like, that dude is just so damn fun, man. I don't know, if you get a chance to watch him, just, like, watch him play defense, watch him block the crap out of opposing point guards, uh, pretty much every night. Uh, his Eurostep game is already, like, among the best in the league, it's, it's such a joy to watch. His three-point shot, still an issue, um, and, like, he has to be very set, and it's a very deliberate release, and it takes a long time, but... Um, that is sort of the, the one thing keeping him from being just like super awesome. He's just awesome right now. Um, but I, I think, you know, if Kyle Lowry's out for a little bit here, and we can get into what his absence is going to mean for this game. Um, if Kyle's out for a little bit here, I think we're going to get a chance to see some more really fun DeLon. He had a game last week against the Bulls where he put up like 25 13 with five assists, uh, like four steals and a block. It was like just crazy stuff from him. Um, and he's got just like really good potential on both ends of the court. Um so yeah, I think he's my most he's the most fun guy to watch. He's really fun to throw out there. Like the Raptors will use like three point guard lineups with like him, Fred, and uh, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, and those are have been pretty effective so far, even though they're a little on the small end because Delon can defend pretty much one through three because he's so long and so just tall for his position. Um, so, yeah, probably DeLon, although OG has been just a, a, a very pleasant surprise. A guy who wasn't really even supposed to play until late December, who is this good at defense already. And, you know, he's going through a bit of a shooting slump right now, but he's still like 37, 38%, which uh, the, the, the shooting for him was an issue and, and was one of the reasons he dropped in the draft, in addition to the knee injury. Um, and he was at one point like 46 or 48% from three. Um, so, that's been fun. But I would say overall, probably Delon is my most is my most favorite addition to the regular rotation, just because of all the different ways he impacts the game when he's on the court. Like it's, it's kind of crazy whenever he's out there. Just good things are going to happen, whether it's a transition opportunity, whether it's a crazy block, uh, a steal that he's gonna poke free. Like he just makes stuff happen, and I, I really, really dig watching Delon right.
1: So we know, we know that Kyle Lowry's injury isn't as bad as that video, and your initial Twitter reaction might have made it seem. Yeah. Um, that video is, like, I didn't watch it live, and I went to Reddit and, like, found it, and I was like, I should not have watched this, because it, it it was terrible. Um, yeah. What, what does not having him in the lineup mean, just for one game thing, What how does that change what? Uh, the, the, how Toronto is going to play and how they played, uh, not based on how they played recently, and how they and just like obviously he's so integral, but like what is what is that going to mean for guys like Delon, Ray? What is, is that just going to and who who actually is likely to start in his place anyway?
0: Uh, Delon Delan started on Tuesday against the Heat, um, so I'd imagine he'll continue to start. And when he's out there, like you can tell the difference in the offense. And this happened last year when Kyle missed 21 games after the the trade deadline as well. Like the Raptors had to change their offense around and play a lot slower, play a lot more conservative, their defense was excellent, and their defense was really good last night against the Heat, but the offense obviously struggles. DeMar, he's been on a crazy tear of late, and he was like 10 of 29 last night, and I think a lot of that is just the extra sort of pressure that not having Lowry directs towards uh, DeMar. I think we saw, if you watch the game uh, against the Nets on Monday, it was the overtime game the Raptors ended up winning, the final play of regulation, DeLon sort of Initiated it. Kyle was on the court. Kyle set a screen. It was a weird play. I don't know why they drew it up the way they did, but uh, you kind of see exactly the gravity that, you know, DeMar steals from DeLon a little bit, I think, because no one's worried about DeLon shooting and people are just terrified of DeMar doing what DeMar does. Um, so on that play against the Nets... Uh, DeLon passed it off to Tamar After he came around a screen And just three nets converged on Tamar And kind of left De- De- DeLon wide open And were just kind of unconcerned with him So you can kind of see just in that play The extra attention that not having Lowry Puts on to, De- to, to onto DeRozan And like I think DeRozan will figure it out. He was excellent last year when Kyle was out of the lineup. He had a few bad shooting games, but for the most part, he was incredible. He went like twenty-seven, five and four, and shot forty-seven percent or something like that, uh, and really carried the Raptors to the fourteen and seven record they had without Kyle. But it is a strain on the offense, and they have to play more defensively. They have to play slower, um, and it's not the prettiest stuff to watch. But they usually get it done, and it's you know even last night their their fourth quarter offense kind of came around a little bit even without Surge after he got tossed, um, and Demar kind of got his spot and he he figured it out and he had the game what what looked like the game winning bucket uh, before the the defensive miscue led to the Ellington game winner, um, so yeah, I think it just it makes it a little less attractive to watch when Kyle's not in there. We're probably gonna see some Norm Powell, and Norm Powell has been just brutal this season. Um, he just is totally in his own head. He's forcing things when there aren't things to be forced, um, driving headlong into defenders when like everyone knows it's exactly his one play that he can do. Um, it's uh it's been tricky with Norm. He played 24 minutes last night, which was his most since like mid November. Um, so I, I'm sure we'll probably see a bit more of him against the Cavs with uh, with, with Serge and Lowry both out. I maybe they'll go small a little bit. I don't know. They went small last night. There was a time against the the the, the Heat where they had OG playing at the five, which was kind of cool, but they were getting just bludgeoned on the glass by Bam Adebayo and Hassan Whiteside. So it's a trade-off, of course, but. Yeah, overall, it's just it's a little bit less attractive with Kyle. out, And it'll be the same with Serge. I'm not sure who they'll start in Serge's spot, probably Pascal Siakam. But if you have Siakam playing next to like, and you have DeLon starting, there's very little in the way of shooting. So I'm curious to see if they'll maybe start miles and just kind of go full-on small to have some shooting on the floor. That'll be an interesting little wrinkle. I have no idea how they're going to go about that um, because you take DeLon, uh, Lowry and Serge of the starting five and there go the two best shooters in the starting five. And then you're sitting there with you know OG being the most accomplished shooter, or maybe DeMar, I guess, but those two being your two best shooters is not ideal. So, we'll see how it works out. Uh, expect a much uglier game from the Raptors. I'm not expecting them to really compete tomorrow, but uh, maybe you have a different impression based on the Cavs have played against subpar teams this season.
1: Yeah, the Cavs have been really bad lately. <laughs> you know, they can't, they, they, I They've given up 127 points in each of the last two games. They were lucky to win in Orlando in one of those games, and they lost to the Wolves in a game that fell over from the beginning to where I'm pretty sure everyone that I knew that was watching the game decided to watch Alabama Georgia instead. Right. You know, uh, I I chose to watch finish the game and then then binge Atlanta because I I needed to rewatch Atlanta to get ready for for Robin season. But <laughs> um, they're they're just not like in a in a place that's like exactly makes me feel like they're going to go into this game and, and be perfect you right. know, or, like, be kind of competent. I, I, I think just the way they've played, the effort level, uh, the the sort of disinterest, I, I think that is a thing. And, and we'll see how Isaiah looks. He had, I think, he had two really good games to start off, and he's still easing his way back in. But he had his worst game of the year so far against the Wolves. And how does he – you know, I think it might have been good for him to go against a guy like Lowry. And I, I think, you know, we don't get that. um, You know, but I think – you know, I think it would have been really interesting to see him go against a guy like Kyle, who's bigger, who can who can be physical with him and go through some of those lumps because he hasn't quite done that yet. Um, so, I, I think you, the LeBron stuff matters. I think it'd be really interesting to Toronto to see what Toronto does up front because if they go small, maybe that match is better with what the Cavs are doing. But if they go, if they try to go a little bit bigger and lean in that, that that will present some interesting matchups. And I I wonder, you know, do they? Have centers guard Jay, and how does that affect what the Cavs do? Does that was the way that hurt or help them? Because it's gone both ways this year. So I, I to be honest with you, just you know, not I'm not around them every day, so I don't know what their mood is exactly. But having watched them, having been around them when they've been in town, I I don't you don't get necessarily the, the best vibe from this team right now in terms of that. You feel like they're going to go in and you know and play like a really good game right. uh, in Toronto, even though they've had that day off and maybe that'll help.
0: Oh, day off in Toronto with the weather getting nicer. Not always the best. Uh...
1: Well, Channing Fry was like snapchatting and like complaining about the the TV in his hotel and in about Canadian TV, and Dwayne Way went to the spa. So, uh, yeah, some like different different experiences is going on up in Toronto.
0: It seems like a front to me. I don't know. Uh, there's all lies. They're just going to the same place where Blake Griffin punched out the trainer.
1: I'm sure. I mean, like, Drake is, like, apparently is wearing, like, a LeBron high school jersey on Instagram, like, these (laughs) last, like, I don't know if you saw that or not, but, um, this is, like, I mean, maybe they're just, like, hanging out with Drake. That's probably, if I was them, that's what I'd be trying to do, but, you know, maybe they got different priorities.
0: I think Drake, you know, might be trying to do, like, the covert get the, the Cavs out and drunk in Toronto to keep them, uh a little wobbly for, for Thursday's game. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. We'll see. It will, it, I'm sure Drake will be there. I'm sure he'll be clapping in the ears of uh, whoever's on the Cavs and inbounding near him. Um, that'll be fun. I'm excited to watch DeLon play defense on Isaiah Thomas because there's like a foot difference between the two. That'll be cool. Um, he Honestly, if we're looking towards like the playoffs, I am curious to see how DeLon works as like an Isaiah foil. Um, just because he's so big and so good at defense and just so oppressive when it comes to defending other point guards. Like, that could be kind of an interesting matchup the Raptors have in their pocket that they can kind of throw it if Isaiah's is, you know, whatever, if he's doing Isaiah things. Um, Kyle Lowry's been kind of hit and miss on defense this year, I think because he's only trying half the time, but um, DeLon feels like a potential Isaiah antidote that I'm kind of excited to see in practice, and we'll see it probably... Uh, full-fledged tomorrow night if both of them are starting that would be cool um do you have anything else you, uh, any parting shots before we wrap this thing up
1: yeah i i would just say i 100% agree with that um and and i do think it's it's worth noting that i think and i i think i speak for both of us on this i i don't necessarily know how much like we'll learn from this game i, I don't i think just oh it's going to be out. utterly
0: useless i think yeah. probably yeah <laughs>
1: i, I think, yeah to 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 do you put a bunch of blunder in that i appreciate you doing that cuz it's i think with no you know, with the guys missing from Toronto, particularly Lowry, with Isaiah being this is like fourth game back. If you're this is a game that's interesting because of the teams involved in, in the, the, them playing the playoffs and whatnot. I don't, I think, I, I feel like we're going to learn more about where the Cavs are sort of at right now than anything, but I don't think this is a game that anyone can go back to in, in five months and be like, okay, these two teams are playing in the playoffs. Let's look at that January 11th game and say. <laughs> These are the three things from that game that I expect to pull over. I just I think with people missing in the timelines of guys, I just don't know how much we're going to learn, and that's fine. I'm I'm here for for regular season basketball always, but I, I think that's just an important caveat for people to think about as they as they sit down to watch this game.
0: Yeah, it might be good for like micro matchup stuff, like the Delon on Isaiah thing, yeah. stuff like that. But like overall, you know, from a macro sense, I don't think we're getting and, much.
1: And from... and, let, and let's see how Toronto how they defend Jake or do they put? Yeah. I think trying to put Jonas on him would make a lot of sense um and and whoever else is playing at center and we'll see it. teams have done that a lot of teams have done that and i would I, it would make sense for me to Toronto do it and especially because um it, it it just it's worked for a lot of teams and if he's not hitting threes then like what's what's the risk you know yeah
0: i'm also very curious to see how og does if he's thrown on lebron because uh i'm not saying he's the next lebron stopper because no one's a lebron stopper but og has played Just awesome defense on James Harden this season. He held James Harden to 2 of 15 uh, in their matchup earlier this year. He was awesome on Giannis uh, in both games they played against him last week. Uh, So it'll be fun to see him play LeBron. I'm not sure he's going to be all that successful, but he's really good at defense, and he had a few incredible flashes last night as well. He had a... Just a dominant possession against Goran Dragic, another one against Bam Adebayo. He can kind of defend everybody. So why not LeBron? Why is he? Why can't we conclude him and everybody? Um, it's gonna end terribly, probably, but it'll be fun to watch either way.
1: Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm always excited to see this new team play. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. And at the very least, we'll you know we'll you'll know early with the Caps. At least I don't think you're gonna get like a, <laughs> a like a varied lead effort level. You're gonna know pretty early from this team.
0: Yeah, the Raptors are harder in that sense because they'll play terribly in a first half and then they'll outscore the Bucks 43-19 in the third quarter or they'll have a fourth quarter against the Heat that they had no business having last night where they just looked listless the entire game and then it almost came back. So the Raptors are harder to tell out of the gate if they're good or not, but uh, this will be fun. Chris, this was a lot of fun, man. Uh, people, make sure you're li- listening to Locked on Cavs, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all those good things. Same with Locked on Raptors. Please rate, review, uh, subscribe. Uh, go to our websites, click on our stuff. Uh, we'd very much appreciate your patronage. Um, do you have anything you want to plug or anything?
1: Nah, just go read through the sword, read Raptors HQ, and check out the pods and rate and review Locked on Raptors. As well. It's the best way to support our shows is not, don't choose our promo codes, do that, because it gets us help, but go on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating interview, and tell us someone that you think would like the podcast about it, too, that, that word of mouth helps a ton, and we appreciate everyone out there that has supported our podcast.
0: Can't, couldn't have said it any better myself, uh, Chris, thanks for coming on, man, this was fun, and we will talk, uh, I'm sure, before they play in the Eastern Conference Finals, but if not, we'll see you in, uh, in late May.
1: Sean Woodley, on the record, is saying the Boston Celtics are losing in the playoffs. They're trash. Okay, right
0: the here. Celtics are trash. They're losing to the <laughs> at, Heat in the <laughs> second round.
1: Wow! he made it to the second round. It's big. You can add him at Cavs <laughs> andina. And, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Well, I'll at least talk tomorrow. I'm sure Sean will as well. But thanks for listening. A hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.